Easter is not a once and done celebration. No, each Sunday is like a little Easter because every Sunday is the weekly commemoration of the resurrection. We are an Easter people year round because Jesus is not dead but alive. On the cross, Jesus offered himself in sacrifice for me and for you. And on the cross, our redemption was accomplished. But more than that, Jesus' rising on the third day shows that he triumphed over sin and death. And even though it's our sins that put Jesus on the cross, we should hold our heads high. We should hold our heads high because his victory is our victory. And it's pretty incredible. Didn't, Jesus didn't die for us because we were saints. Jesus didn't die for us because we were worthy of his great gift. No, Jesus died for us because we were sinners. And Jesus died for us to make us worthy of his great gift. Over the next couple weeks, we are going to continue some of these Easter themes through a message series called Child of God. And through the lens of the gospel, we're going to talk about who we are to God, why we are worthy of his love, and what difference that should make in our lives. But before we get to the meat of today's message, I just want to say thank you Thank you to everyone who was with us for our Easter and our Triduum Masses last week. I was so pleased with how everything came together and I must admit I was pleasantly surprised by the turnout, which was great. We even had a little fire drill at the 11 a.m. Mass. Um, we had some steam in the, the boiler room, but all worked out great. It was still great, so thank you for being a part of it. And then on behalf of myself and on behalf of our wonderful staff, I just want to extend another thank you to two special groups of people who made it all possible. First, thank you to everyone who serves in any way in volunteer ministry at our parish. I like to think of you as being the hands of our parish, and without you we would just have pretty buildings, but we wouldn't have a parish family. The people who serve in ministry in our parish see our parish as a home, and they are the ones who make others feel at home here. In the coming weeks, we're gonna make a push for more volunteer ministers. So if you've been sitting on the sidelines, now is the time to get involved. So when we ask you to serve, please say yes. Serving in ministry is one of those things where you get so much more than you give. The second group of people that I'd like to thank are those who make our ministry possible through their financial giving. People are often surprised when they come here and they see that we don't pass a basket, but I think our present practice highlights the intentionality that so many of us, myself included, put into our giving. Many of us use automated means like online giving or your bank's bill pay, and I think this is a great way to make a worship offering because it makes it very clearly a part of our personal budget, and it shows that you know, supporting our parish is important to us. 
But if my father were here, he would tell me to say, if you're just visiting, or you prefer to give another way, there's boxes by the door. (laughs) Regardless, thank you for your investment in our parish family. The gospel scene that we heard today was split over two Sundays. There was the evening of that first Easter Sunday, and the second part was on the second Easter Sunday. When Jesus was arrested, his disciples scattered. And I imagine his disciples must have had a mix of emotions. There was probably anger at Judas's betrayal. There was probably disappointment that their sacrifices and that their investment seemed to be for nothing. They probably carried shame and regret that they didn't do more. Of course, they had anguish at the death of their friend. And I bet they even had confusion about what was going to come next. That's the backdrop. But then the women come, and they tell them that Jesus is not dead but alive. And I imagine that as they heard this, slowly hope and faith began to flicker in their hearts. But they didn't really believe until they saw Jesus. And then as we heard, and as we know, Thomas wasn't with them that first Easter Sunday evening. When Jesus passed through the locked doors and then stood in their midst, maybe Thomas was torn with grief and maybe he just wanted to be alone. Why Thomas wasn't there that first Easter Sunday though really is important because the takeaway for us is when we are separated from the flock, bad things happen. It's not good for us to be separated from the flock. Like for instance, during COVID, we're all pushed away and during COVID, you know, a lot of people simply just drifted away and then their lives changed and they let other things take precedence over communal worship on Sundays. Of course, it saddens me, as I'm sure it saddens you, that there's not as many people here as there were before, but the real issue for them, the real issue, is that by drifting away, they're not going to be as ready to receive Jesus' truth, love, and mercy when they need it. So for a moment, I want you to imagine that you were there in that locked room on that first Easter Sunday evening. You know, on one hand, maybe you're you're torn with grief, shame, regret, or what else? You know, but on the other hand, there's that stirring of hope as you get the reports that Jesus is alive. And then what happens? All of a sudden, Jesus enters the room through that locked door and he stands in your midst. I imagine that when Jesus entered that room, he had a great big smile on his face. And then as he looked at you, looks at us, he opens his hands and his arms. He says, peace be with you. If you're like me, you're probably scared that he's gonna tell you off for abandoning you in, your, in, his, in his moment of need, but he doesn't do any of that. He says, peace be with you, with all of the love in the world, and as he does this, he shows you the very marks of his love. Peace be with you. 
What's very clear from this scene is that God's love for us is not dependent on anything that we do. God's love for us is not dependent on anything that we do. You cannot earn God's love, nor can you make yourself worthy of God's love. It's the other way around. God makes us worthy of him. And he does this because we're his children and he loves us with everything. Let me say that again, it's so important. We don't make ourselves worthy of God. God makes us worthy of himself and he does it because we're his children and he loves us with everything. And then what does Jesus do? He gives the apostles and us a share in his ministry. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. For bishops and priests, a big part of this is forgiving sins in the sacrament of reconciliation in Jesus' name. But for all of us, this means bringing God's mercy and truth to a broken and a wounded world. And then we fast forward to a couple days that week. I imagine the, the apostles were exasperated as they told Thomas this good news and he didn't believe. And he refused to believe very adamantly. But then what happens? Jesus deals with Thomas lovingly just as Jesus deals with each of us lovingly when we're slow to believe or when we are stubborn in giving up sins. Okay, so let's fast forward a week later. They're again together in the upper room. Thomas is there with them. And again, Jesus passes through the locked doors. And I like to think that Thomas was hiding in the corner. He was probably away from the group because he didn't have that shared experience. And then even though he's, he's cowering in the corner, Jesus, when he enters, looks right at him. And I imagine Thomas's eyes got very big and all he wanted to do was hide. <laughs> Maybe crawl under a cushion or, or something like that. But what, is, what does Jesus do? Again, Jesus looks right at him with love. And then he goes right over to him and it's in touching Jesus' wounds that Thomas is healed of his disbelief. And once he's healed, he makes that, that amazing profession of faith. In fact, he's the first person to, to directly identify Jesus as being God. He says to him, my Lord and my God. In fact, some people as a pious practice when we elevate the consecrated Eucharist, they make his words their own when they look at the host and they say, my Lord and my God. And after this intimate moment with Thomas, Jesus addresses all of us. He says, speaking to us, I think, blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Unlike Thomas and unlike the apostles, we have not seen the risen Jesus with our own eyes. But by faith, 
we have indeed touched him just as intimately as Jesus, as, excuse me, as Thomas put his, his hand and his fingers into Thomas's wounds. We touch him that, that, that intimately when he enters our heart in Holy Communion. For us, seeing Jesus with the eyes of faith is made possible by grace and by divine revelation. And divine revelation includes all the words of sacred scripture as well as sacred tradition. These things that have been handed on to us. And this is how the gospel ends. It said, these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief, you may have life in his name. Friends, we are God's children. And the whole goal of our discipleship is to be simply that, fully God's children. This means trusting less and less in ourselves and trusting more and more in God. One of the marks of children is that they have nothing of their own. Think about it, when you're a little kid, or maybe you are a little kid, and you wanna get your parents a gift or something, what's the first thing you have to do? You know, mom and dad, can I have some money to get you a gift? (laughs) That's just how it is with us and God. Or you can think of little kids who and maybe you've done this or maybe you've received this. You can think of the little children who at this time of year pick a, a bouquet of dandelions for their mother. I see some, some mothers' heads nodding up and down. Maybe you've received one. But think about this. Dandelions are weeds. <laughs> but even though they're weeds, how happy are you to receive that gift? You know, that's exactly how it, is, how, how it is with us and God. You know, we give him, what, you know, whatever it is, and he's so happy to receive it. This is the very truth that Thomas came to grips with in today's gospel as he moved from disbelief, as he let go of disbelief, and as he embraced faith. So the question for reflection for you and the question for reflection for me is quite simple. What do you need to let go of? What do you need to let go of so that you can fully be God's child?